Hello, I'm Ken Rackward, and this is Mining Biblical Truth. We're on a Christmas uh, break from our regular study, and this is a, a topical uh, study of the Day of the Lord, uh, which may seem to be an odd topic for a Christmas break. But when you think about it, uh, Christmas Day is also a Day of the Lord. So the title of this uh, talk is The Bittersweet Day of the Lord. In summary, uh, I'm, I'm going to um, uh, read through this uh, PDF document, which you can download at our uh, website, BibleMining.org. Uh, uh, but I'm going to be reading through the scriptures for the benefit of our audio listeners. A summary of the day of the Lord is the occasion of God's final intervention in human affairs to punish sin, restore the faithful of his people, and establish his rule over the nations. It is linked with the Messianic hope and will be fulfilled at Jesus Christ's return. This future consummation is anticipated in historical acts of judgment, and although its time is unknown, it will be heralded and accompanied by signs and by great upheavals in nature. The summary is from the Complete Topical Guide of the Bible by Mansur and other author authors. Uh, we're going to looking at this in an outline uh, uh, form uh, with different uh, themes. The first is Part A, the Day of the Lord as a Day of Judgment, and first of Universal Judgment. Isaiah 24, 21, 22. On that day, the Lord will punish the hosts of heaven in heaven and the kings of the earth on the earth. They will be gathered together as prisoners in a pit. They will be shut up in a prison. And after many days, they will be punished. So the hosts of heaven here, the fallen angels and those who rule the earth in opposition to the Lord are finally brought to justice. Isaiah 27.1 associates Satan with the Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and as the dragon that is in the sea. Zephaniah 1.14-18 The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring distress on mankind so that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed for a full and sudden end. He will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. In verse 16, the reference to cities and battlements is a parallel passage to the judgment of the nations that we saw in Amos 1-2. We know that Zephaniah's prophecy did not come soon after uh, this temporally. The implication of near 
is that we must live as if it could be tomorrow. The mighty men of verse 14 are like the kings of the earth in Isaiah. And sin against the Lord always uh, brings the, the all-consuming wrath of the Lord. Number two, the judgment of the nations. Isaiah 13, 4 and 9 through 11. The sound of a tumult is on the mountains as of a great multitude. The sound of an uproar of kingdoms, of nations gathering together. Behold, the day the Lord comes, cruel with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land a desolation and to destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of the heavens and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark at its rising and the moon will not shed its light. I will punish the world for its its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will put an end to the pomp of the arrogant and lay low the pompous pride of the ruthless. Uh, in the uh, last uh, Digging Deeper video on Jill and Obadiah, uh, I addressed the issue of uh, whether the sun and moon are symbolic uh, in this passage. The passage uh, associates the judgment of ruthless, arrogant, sinful people in association with darkening of celestial bodies. Because the, the celestial bodies were created to define periods of time, days, months, years, there is the implication that time, is, as we know it, is coming to an end. Specific judgment on Egypt is symbolized by the drying up of the life-giving Nile River in Isaiah 19, 6-7. And then we have Revelation 6, 15, 17. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come. And who shall be able to stand? So here we have the high and mighty of the present become cavemen on the day of the Lord. You can also see Jeremiah 46.10, Ezekiel 33-4, and Zephaniah 3-8. through And Joel 3.12-14 that we studied last week. Let the nations stir themselves up and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Go in, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their evil is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Nations and their rulers think that they can decide their future. But in the day of the Lord, the Lord will decide the eternal destiny of all. All who oppose God think that they have a secret solution to avoid God's wrath. But as Paul said in Romans 2.16, God judges the secrets of man by Christ Jesus. And God judges Edom in Obadiah 15. Part 3, Judgment of uh, Faithless Israel. Amos 5, 18 through 20. 
Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Uh, why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light, as if a man fled from a lion, and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall, and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light, and gloom with no brightness in it? There was a tendency for the Israelites to believe that the day of the Lord would be a blessing to his people based on their descent from Abraham. Amos asked the northern kingdom, why would you look forward to dark days of the Lord? Clearly judgment and not blessing for the disobedient. Isaiah has a similar message later for Judah in Isaiah 2, verse 12. For the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, and it shall be brought low. Just as Amos and Isaiah warned the people that they might not be truly God's chosen, Jesus warns us in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, 23. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. A very convicting verse. God's judgment is of the heart, as emphasized by Paul in Romans 2.5. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of the wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And now, part B, the day of the Lord as a day of hope. <clears throat> One, a day of restoration for God's people. Jeremiah 30, 7 through 8. Alas, that day is so great, there is none like it. It is a time of distress for Jacob, yet he shall be saved out of it. And it shall come to pass that day, declares the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off your neck, and I will burst your bonds, and foreigners shall no more make a servant of him. That's certainly something to look forward to. The Lord promises to save a faithful remnant of Jacob, but they will still experience distress. Joel 2, 23-28 paints a, a glorious picture of plenty, satisfaction, and the pouring out of his spirit on all flesh. Part 2, God will gather his people. Isaiah 11, 11. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second uh, time to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. And Micah 4, 6-7. In that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather those who have been driven away and those whom I have afflicted. And the lame I will make the remnant and those who are cast off a strong nation, and the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from this time forth and forevermore. Both Isaiah and his contemporary Micah emphasize the salvation of a remnant. This is entirely the work of the Lord. He will extend his hand. He will assemble. He will gather a remnant. Jesus confirms the gathering of the remnant in Matthew 24, 30, 31. 
Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Part three, God will save his people. Zephaniah 3, 14 through 20. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exalt with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, the mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcasts, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in, at the time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth, when I restore your, your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. And in Joel 2, 32, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and, am and among the the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. And in Zechariah 9, 16, On that day the Lord their God will save them as the flock of his people. For the jewels of a crown they shall shine on his land. Part 4. God will purify his people. Isaiah 4, 3-4 And he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from its midst by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit of burning. In Zephaniah 3, 11-13 well, On that day you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your pr proudly exultant ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my mountain. But I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly, and they shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord. Those who are left in Israel, they shall do no injustice and speak no lies, nor shall there be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue, for they shall graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Note here that it's God who does this work of purification. Part 5. God will exalt his people. Micah 4.8 And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come, the former dominion shall come, kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. And Micah 5.9 Your hand shall be lifted up over your adversaries, and all your enemies shall be cut off. And Revelation 22, 5. And night will be no more. 
They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. In part 6, God will complete his saving work. Philippians 1, 6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So the day of Jesus Christ is the New Testament equivalent of the day of the Lord. Daniel 12, 1 and 2. At that time shall arise, Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. In Second Timothy 4, 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall will award to me on that day and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. It is uh, Paul who is speaking there. And then part C, the siege and deliverance of Jerusalem on the day of the Lord. In part one, nations will gather against Jerusalem. Ezekiel 38, 14 through 16. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, Thus says the Lord God, On that day when my people Israel are dwelling securely, will you not know it? You will come from your place out of the uttermost parts of the north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great host, a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud covering the land. In the latter days I will bring you against my land, that the nations may know me, when through you, O God, I vindicate my holiness before your eyes. And Zechariah 14.2, For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the horses plundered, and the women raped. Half of the city shall go out into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. And Revelation 28 and 9. And will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea, and they marched up over the great, the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. Part two, the Lord will fight for Jerusalem. That was yours, but is not yours, but God's. Ezekiel 38, 18 through 23. But on that day, the, the day that Gog shall come against the land of Israel, declares the Lord God, my wrath will be roused in my anger. For in my jealousy and in my blazing wrath, I declare, on that day there shall be a great earthquake. In the land of Israel, the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep on the ground and all the people who are on the face of the earth shall quake at my presence. And the mountains shall be thrown down and the cliffs shall fall and every wall shall tumble to the ground. 
I will summon a sword against Gog on all my mountains, declares the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. With pestilence and bloodshed, I will enter into judgment with him, and I will rain upon him and his hordes and the many peoples who are with him. Torrential rains and hailstones, fire and sulfur. Sounds like Sodom and Gomorrah, doesn't it? <laughs> so I will show my greatness and my holiness and make myself known in the eyes of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Powerful passage. Zechariah 12, 2 through 5. Behold, I'm about to make Jerusalem a cup of staggering to all the surrounding peoples. The siege of Jerusalem will also be against Judah. On that day, I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will surely hurt themselves, and all the nations of the earth will gather against it. On that day, declares the Lord, I will strike every horse with panic and its rider with madness. But for the sake of the house of Judah, I will keep my eyes open when I strike every horse of the peoples with blindness. Then the clans of Judah shall say to themselves, the inhabitants of Jerusalem have strength through the Lord of hosts, their God. Part D, the establishment of God's kingdom on the day of the Lord. Part 1, God's kingdom will be universal and everlasting. Zechariah 14.9, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, the Lord will be one and his name one. Daniel 2.44, and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. In Daniel 7, 13, 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like the Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. In Revelation eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Part 2. God will be the object of universal worship. Isaiah 19, 19-23. In that day there will be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt, and a pillar to the Lord at its border. So it will be a sign and a witness to the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. When they cry to the Lord because of their oppressors, he will send them a savior, a defender, and deliver them. And the Lord will make himself known to the Egyptians, and the Egyptians will know the Lord in that day and worship with sacrifice and offering. And they will make vows to the Lord and perform them. And the Lord will strike Egypt, striking and healing. And they will return to the Lord, and he will listen to their pleas for mercy and heal them. In that day there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and Assyria will come into Egypt, and Egypt into Assyria, and the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. So the universality includes traditional enemies of God's people.
Zephaniah 3, 9 through 10. For at that time I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, that all of them shall call upon the name of the Lord and shall serve him with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. I'm going to go off on a little side road here, a comment about uh, this last verse, because it has special meaning for me. All will have access in, uh, to the Lord and serve him. The reference to worshipers and dispersed ones of Cush is particularly fascinating. Cush includes modern Ethiopia. You know, we call it the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts was a worshiper of the Lord from Cush. Because the Ethiopian church believes that it possesses the Ark of the Covenant and is protecting it until Jesus returns, it is possible that the offering to be brought is the Ark with the mercy seat where Jesus will reign. Why was the eunuch sent to determine if, quote, this was the time? unquote, if it wasn't the day of the Lord, the day of his return. The other connection to Ethiopia is that Israel evacuated, persecuted black Falasha Jews from Ethiopia who were found to carry a Levite chain. In centuries before the Ark supposedly came to Ethiopia, there were Levites living on Elephantine Island in the Nile River where uh, they built a temple and carried out sacrifices. This is uh, well documented um, by Egyptian uh, uh, historians. And to celebrate the Day of Atonement, they would have needed an ark and mercy seat to sprinkle blood on. Also, the Blue Nile branch uh, arises from Lake Tana in Ethiopia at a place on a small island where the ark was supposedly kept for 400 years. Zechariah 14, 16. Then everyone who survives all the nations that have come up against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of booths. In part three, God's rule will be centered on a restored Jerusalem. Isaiah 20, Isaiah 2, 2 through 4, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that he we may walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Micah 4, 1 through 3 is almost identical to this passage. Jerusalem, meaning a flow of wholeness or peace, shalom, will be the worldwide capital of peace, which is far different than it is today. Revolu Revelation 22, 3. 
No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Going on to part E, the fulfillment of messianic hope on the day of the Lord, Isaiah 4.2. In that day the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land shall be the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. The branch is, of course, Jesus. Uh, Isaiah 11.10, in that day the root of Jesse, another uh, reference to Jesus, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Zechariah 9.9, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous, and having salvation is he. And Zechariah 12.10, And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him, as one mourns for an only child, and weep bitterly over him, as one weeps over a firstborn. Part F, being prepared for the day of the Lord. Part 1, the day will come unexpectedly. First Thessalonians 5, 2 and 3. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. In Matthew 24, 43, 44. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake. It would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Part 2. The need to be ready for the day. Thessalonians 5, 4-8. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Zephaniah 2, 1-3 Gather together, yes, gather, O shameless nation, before the decree takes effect, before the day passes away like chaff, before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord, before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the Lord. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do his just commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. And Second Peter 3, 11-12. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Part 3, signs heralding the day 
will be discerned, such as the coming of the Antichrist. Second Thessalonians 2, 3. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will come, unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. In Mark 13, 29. So also, when you see these things, and this these things in verse 29 refers to the following. Uh, verse 7, wars and rumors of wars. Verse 8, nation against nation, earthquakes and famines. Verse 9, persecution of believers. Verse 10, gospel pro pro proclaimed to all nations. Verse 12, betrayal by family. Verse 14, abomination of desolation. Verse 19, the severe tribulation. Verse 22, the wonders of false Christs and prophets. Verse 24, the sun and moon darkened. And verse 25, stars fallen. All these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Part F, the day of the Lord will be accompanied by signs and great upheavals in nature. Acts 2, 19-20. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And Joel 2, 30, 31. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and calms of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the great and awesome day the Lord comes. You can also see Isaiah 13, 9 through 10, Joel 2, 10, and Luke 21, 11. Part G, historical events that anticipate the day of the Lord. Part 1, disaster foreshadows final judgment. Isaiah 5, 29, 30, uh, which refers to Judah uh, invaded by Assyria. Their roaring uh, is like a lion. Like young lions, they roar. They growl and seize their prey. They carry it off and none can rescue. They will growl over it on that day, like the growling of the sea. And if one looks to the land, behold, darkness and distress, and the light is darkened by its clouds. And Ezekiel 30.10, which refers to Egypt defeated by Nebuchadnezzar. Thus says the Lord God, I will put an end to the wealth of Egypt by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Uh, other references are Joel 2, 2 through 4, Israel is devastated by a locust storm. Amos 5, 27, Israel defeated and exiled by Assyria. Jeremiah 20 to 22, chapters 24 to 29, 32 and 34 to 45, were. Uh, in reference to Judah exiled by Babylonians. In Matthew 14, 21, in reference to the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans in 70 AD. All historical events that seem like the day of the Lord. And to return from exile foreshadows final restoration. Isaiah 11, 12 through 14. He will raise a signal for the nations and will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The jealousy of Ephraim shall depart and those who harass Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not be jealous of Judah and Judah shall not harass Ephraim. But they shall swoop down on the shoulder of the Philistines in the west and together they shall plunder the people of the east. 
They shall put their hand against Edom and Moab, and the Ammonites shall obey them. Uh, note here that uh, the reference to uh, Ephraim is a reference to the northern kingdom of Israel. Haggai 2.23 On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and make you a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Uh, Zerubbabel uh, was a descendant of David. Zechariah 3.8 Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are assigned. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. Some related uh, topic, topical subjects not included here are references to last things, last days, signs of the times, God's judgment, and last judgment. In the Old Testament, we have what we could call penultimate days of the Lord, pointing to the future ultimate day of the Lord. The first coming of Jesus is the first part of the two-day part of the Lord. In this sense, the day of the Lord in the New Testament is both here now and not yet here. In each, God intervenes directly or indirectly to accomplish his plan. While the Bible uses this phrase precisely for the latter events, if the fundamental aspect is that God intervenes uh, in the status of his creation, then we could say that a day of the Lord was occurring anytime he intervened. We could then distinguish these two types by uh, referring to him as the day of the Lord versus a day preceding the day of the, the final day of the Lord. James Jordan in his book, Through No Eyes, notes that in Genesis, the first day starts in darkness night and moves to light and day. He sees this transition as symbolic of the transition from the night of the old covenant to the day of the new covenant. The Lord follows a similar pattern in creation and in the day of the Lord, which is, in effect, a decreation followed by a recreation, that is, the new heavens and new earth. In Revelation 21.1, the Greek word kainos is used for new heaven and earth. Two Greek words are used in the Bible for new. Kainos meaning something of a different kind, unprecedented. And another word neos for something of the same kind existing before but now new. The conjunction of the two words occurs in Matthew 9.17, also Luke 5.38, where New wine, neos wine, is put into new skins, kinos skins, and both are presented. So the distinction is significant. The pattern Jordan sees is, one, God makes his intentions known, usually through prophets. Two, God takes his people in hand and moves them from, place to, from one place to another, as in the Exodus and in the dispersion of Christians from Jerusalem. Three, God establishes a new world, according to his promise and command as given as in the giving of law at Sinai and in the Sermon on the Mount. Four, as history proceeds, God judges his new order, culminating at the cross. And five, God comes in judgment, 
decreating and recreating as in the flood of Noah and again at the end of Revelation. God judges the old world and moves his elected remnant of faithful humanity into a new world. Jordan describes this time, his view, view of time as being linear, rhythmical, and liturgical. Thus, the preliminary historical days of the Lord are the rhyming pattern of the final day of the Lord. He notes that the coming of the Lord is a Sabbath phenomenon. The last day of God's week and the first day of man's week are the Sabbath. It is simultaneously the, the end of the old week for God and the beginning of the new day for men. It is a time of covenant renewal on the parts of God and man. Thus, it is a time of worship. The worship service then should, should be a time of leaving behind the old world of the previous week and the receiving the gift of the kingdom, the new world, for the new week. Symbolically, the final day of the Lord brings about an ultimate Sabbath rest, like God rested on the seventh day of creation. The Sabbath is both a day that we look forward to and also a day on which we reflect on the past. How often do we think about the day of the Lord? Does believing in the day of the Lord affect our daily lives? Hopelessness of ignoring the day of the Lord. Paul does not want his peop the people to die without hope. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 the secular view of life is well represented by this quote from Bertrand Russell, who said, The life of man is a long march through the night, surrounded by invisible foes, tortured by weariness and pain, towards a goal that few can hope to reach, and where none may tarry long. Certainly no hope there. Paul, the hope of the dead, is tied up in Christ, First Thessalonians 4.14. If Christ did not rise from the dead, then there would be no hope for us. And then the immorality of ignoring the day of the Lord. We need to care about those who dwell in darkness, unaware of the day of the Lord. Verse of Thessalonians 5. Some would say that it is immoral of God to bring a day of wrath. But how can God be good and just if he does not judge evil? Rather, it is immoral to deny that God will judge because it leaves us with no hope of justice. The day of the Lord is a day on which we must all give account of our lives. Since Zechariah 13, 9, then I will bring the remaining third into the fire. I will refine them like silver is refined and will test them like gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer and I will say, these are my people. And they will say, the Lord is my God. The faithful and obedient will come through the fire to a new day. The day of the Lord is a day of wrath for the ungodly, which is to be feared, and a day of joy for the righteous in Christ to be anticipated with hope. However, I think we as disciples of Christ should view this end of time event the way Jeremiah viewed the end of the kingdom of Judah with lamenting. We shall lament the condemnation of the unfaithful as Jeremiah lamented the death, dead or exiled people of Judah. However, Jeremiah does not lament bitterly 
without hope because God promised restoration. Rather, his lament is bitter sweet. Bitter for the condemned, sweet for the redeemed. James M. Hamilton said, He will save and he will judge, and there will be no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God and the Lamb will shine forever. And I close with this uh, a sonnet by James Hamilton. Soon comes the king in splendor laden light. Awed we shall sing and praise his glorious might. Together we wait for the coming Lord in green pastures grazing, fed by the word, redeemed by the lamb who stands as though slain, known by the father and bearing his name, alive by the spirit who quickens hearts, Faith is our shield against all Satan's starts that fly against us on this pilgrim way. And if our paths part until that great day, hold fast the word which is able to save, and he'll gather us home beyond the grave. When together again, our Lord will pra will praise, standing before him and seeing his face. So the day of the Lord is bittersweet. First Thessalonians 5, 9 through 11. For God has not destined us to wrath, but to, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, dear Lord, help us to concentrate on, look forward to the day of the Lord, uh, a bittersweet day. And I pray that this Christmas season will be uh, a time uh, when you are gathering uh, uh, your elect, um, bringing those you have chosen uh, to faith, sparing them the day of, the Lord, of your wrath. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for uh, watching or listening. And uh, Eric and I uh, wish you a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And pray that uh, the new year will be a better year for all of us around the world.